I want you to open your Bibles today to the book of Luke. Gospel of Luke chapter number 10 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter number 10. And uh, excited about uh, getting into God's Word today. Luke chapter 10. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. Luke chapter 10 in verse number 1. The Bible says, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. And therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways, and behold, I send you forth as lambs, among wolves, carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes, and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house she enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall return to you again. And in the same uh, uh, house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. And go not from house to house, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick that are, that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth to us we do wipe off against you, Notwithstanding, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto all you. And, but I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Now jump down to verse 17 with me, if you will. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not, that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. I want to take just a second and I want to read that final verse again and let that soak in a little bit. Uh, and then I want to bring a message to you out of this portion we've read. Verse 20, Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the joy of being in your house. I pray that you would bless and work in our midst as only you can. We thank you for your love for us and we thank you for your blessings on us and we pray now that you would uh, just have your, your desired will in each and every heart and life. We'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. In the beginning of this chapter, we find the Lord Jesus Christ sending out 70 of His disciples. Now, those 70 followers were, <clears throat> they were different uh, or distinguished from, I should say, than the 12 apostles. And they're dis distinguished by that word other. He sent out 70 other. 
So it wasn't the same. These were, these were others who were following him and were yielded to his authority and leadership. And so he takes these 70 and he sends them out two by two. And their job was to go before him into the cities and uh, the places, the villages that he planned to go himself. They were actually sort of like front men, if we could say it that way. They were going into these places where Christ himself would come. And they were preparing the way for his arrival. They were getting the people ready. They were setting the tone spiritually. They were going into the homes and visiting with people. Uh, they, were, they were sort of like a setup team getting ready for Jesus to show up himself. Now, I have no doubt that as he gives out the instructions to these, these men that that verse 3 was a little bit of an, an alarm to them. Don't you think? I mean, I think that probably it may have been a bit of an ominous glimpse ahead as to what they might expect on this mission. Because he said to them in verse 3, he said, Go your ways. Okay, But he doesn't leave it there. He adds a description. And this is what he said, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Hmm, well, that's really not an analogy that, that bodes well for these people that are going out into this um, world around them. Because the reality, don't you think? I mean, maybe a lamb doesn't last long among wolves. I mean, certainly not. And they're not, it's not really friendly terms that they enter into. I think that's what Jesus obviously is saying to them. And I, I think that probably after hearing this not very encouraging analogy that we can maybe imagine their nervous energy as they begin to anticipate what they might encounter on this mission. Now, he gives them four quick things that they're to do. So here's their, here's their specific instructions and responsibilities. Number one, they're to bring, they're to bring peace uh, into the houses that they visit. Now, some would not receive them. If they don't receive your peace, then don't stay. There's, there's nothing you can do about that. You're coming with peace. If they reject it, you can't change. You just got to roll on and move down to the next house. They were to also bring to the receptive people their fellowship. Because fellowship is something that every believer needs, and it's vital to us that we be connected with community. And so he said, when you go into a house, bring peace. If they don't take your peace, roll on. If they do take your peace, then you stay with them, and you have a meal with them. You fellowship with them. As long as they need it, you, you provide that for them. The third thing they were to bring was healing. You're to heal. You are to bring healing to those that are sick. Now, I want to stop and say this. I think it's very important that we note the fact that when, when the Bible became completed, the way that God works in certain manner uh, changed. There's a different economy with God now. When that which is perfect has come, that which is in part is done away. I believe totally and fully with every fiber in me in divine healing, but I do not believe the ministry of healing is given to any man like it was during these apostolic days, okay? I can pray for your healing, but I cannot heal you myself, okay? I love guys that get up and talk about how they can heal, and they're wearing glasses. And they have cavities. And they go to the dentist. Look, if I could heal, I would never go to the dentist, okay? Let me just settle that immediately. So they're to heal the sick, all right? 
The third thing what they were to do is that they were to testify that the kingdom of God was near. Now that's, a, that's an entire message in and of itself. But he came unto his own, and his own received them not. And so now he sent 70 out, and he's telling them the kingdom of God is near. And, and by many of these Jewish people, they rejected their Messiah and, and rejected the kingdom of God. So these 70 did just that. They did exactly what he told them to do. And we're unaware of how long this mission was. We don't know the duration of it. We don't know if it was a couple of weeks. We don't know if it was a couple of months. We don't know, we don't know how long it lasted. But, but, but they did what they were supposed to do. And when they returned, they came back buzzing. Okay, They were, they were absolutely infused with excitement and zeal they were they were really what we would call stoked they were just stoked look with me in verse number 17 and the 70 returned again with what thank you calvin and diana i love participation all right let's let's look at that again verse 17 and the 70 returned again with what joy all right so they returned with joy i mean these people they were happy they were excited saying even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So they couldn't wait to find Jesus. As soon as they got there, Jesus, listen, listen. Jesus, what we found out while we were out doing what you told us to do, that when we were confronted with the adversary and the evil spirits that were with him, do you know what happened? The devils, the demons, they were subject to us. We could tell them to get out, and, 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 and they had to leave. It was amazing. They were just really overwhelmed with what had taken. They came back different than when they departed. They were nervously going on their way, wait a minute, as lambs among wolves. But when they got out, they found out that the lamb who was connected with the lamb actually had power over the wolves that they were sent out amongst. They, it was unexpected. Can I just say this? that God has unexpected blessings for those that are willing to obey Him. When God sends you on a journey, you may go very, you know, with great trepidation into your journey, but can I tell you this? If you'll just get on the, if you'll get on the path, God has things for you that you cannot even imagine today. <coughs> and so, so we see that. Now, let me say this. There's no doubt that on this journey they faced rejection. Okay, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt about it. Some houses said, nah, we don't want any of that. Every now and then I'll be handing out tracts and giving out tracts to people on the airplane, and somebody will say, nah, I'm not, I'm not. And I'll say, it's free. Well, I don't, I'm not. Okay, oh, that's all right. That's, that's okay. It's fine. I just try to be kind to them anyhow. I've had people take tracts from me and crumple it up and throw it at my feet. Okay. You're going to be rejected. I, 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 think that, I think that one thing, by the way, Jesus had warned them, when you go to a house, you might not, your peace might not be received. You might go to a city and the city say, get out, we don't want anything to do with you. What did Jesus say? Here's what I want you to do. Curl up in a fetal position and feel sorry for yourself. Let's just get around and have a session and let, let's comfort each other and talk about how we were rejected and how things went so bad. I, I just, I was trying to help them. No, no, Jesus said, you know what I want you to do? I want you to take your sandals off, knock them together, knock the dust off of your feet, and go find the next city. Folks, listen to me. There's a world going to hell. We don't have time to sit around 
and mourn over people who don't want what we're offering them. Doesn't mean we don't pray for them. Doesn't mean we don't have a burden. It doesn't mean that we, don't, that we don't go back. What it means is that we don't let them get on the inside of who we are. Remember that? Remember that a ship doesn't sink because it's in water. It sinks because the water's in it. So what we have to do is we have to be careful not to allow these things to discourage us and, and to penetrate us. Can I, can I say this to all of you here? The spirit that you enjoy at South Valley Baptist Church, it wasn't always that way. They were birthing pains. They were birthing pains. I mean, um, money was tight. Crowd was small. Um, the devil fought. People, this isn't going to be shocking to you, so get ready. This, this is going to be a shocking statement, so I want, you, I want to prepare you for that. People came and didn't like what they saw. People came and instead of getting in and singing, oh, I love Jesus and just loving each other, they came and didn't like it. Well, that's, that's fine. That's all right. I mean, not everybody's going to gel, you know. And, and that doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means that we're not their flavor. That's, that's all right. That's okay. I, you know, some people don't like me. Quit staring at me like that. It's true. No, some people don't like me. Some of my own family members. But anyhow, no, that's not. I'm cutting up. I'm clowning around. So, so I, I'm just simply saying... Here we are, 16 years plus, moving toward our 17th year, and, and God's blessed. God's been good to us, and God has given us a spirit of unity and love one toward another, and I'm very, very thankful. I'm thankful for that, but that sometimes doesn't, doesn't always happen. And, and I'm just saying this, any time you go do something for God, there's going to be opposition. Paul said, Paul said, there's a great and effectual door open unto me, and there are many adversaries, okay? If you think Satan's going to hand you a free pass, where you get to pass go and collect $200, that ain't happening, okay? So whatever you attempt to do for God, Satan is going to attempt to divert you and to discourage you and to get you off course. You can mark that down. Satan is in opposition to the things that God is doing that's important now the 70 come back okay here's the 70 they've come back there's been some discouragement there's been some opposition all right there's been some difficulty but in spite of that if i could say it this way they're jitterbugging with 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 excitement they're anything from uh you know but discouraged they're not discouraged at all not only have they completed their mission but they had experienced power that they had not anticipated because demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. Look, look again with me and feel their excitement. Verse 17 of Luke chapter number 10. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. Now, are you ready for this? Watch his reply. Look at, look at the reply that Jesus gives them as he says to them in verse 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fallen from heaven. It's a little bit of an odd. Do you, do you not think that's a little odd statement at first appearance? Hey, Jesus. You won't believe what happened. I, it's amazing 
As we get out doing what you told us to do, even the devils were subject to us through thy name. And Jesus just very calmly says to them, yeah, I was there in the beginning. I saw the rebellion. I saw it when it transpired. I was there when Satan fell as lightning from heaven. What he's, what he's saying to them is simply this. This is not some novel discovery. I mean, I, I knew this was going to happen. I, I, you know what he knows that we don't sometimes know? He, he knows full well that the adversary is a defeated foe. He was there in the beginning when Lucifer, who was the angelic choir leader, he, he was more beautiful than all the host of heaven that God had created. And when Lucifer was cast out of heaven, Jesus saw it all. He was there. He's the God that created the world. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And so they come back really excited and said, we had victory over the devil. And Jesus said to them, look, I was there in the beginning. Your foe is defeated. Victory is yours. This is nothing novel. And yet sometimes I, I, I think that, that, that we're unaware of it. He doesn't share in their surprise. And yet, listen to me carefully. He also knows that this is not a one-and-done deal. See, they come back and they said, <laughs> you won't believe what happened. The devils were subject to us in your name. And Jesus is thinking, yeah, you get real stoked about this, but I'm going to tell you, it's not a one-and-done and it's over. Flex my muscle, look what I did thing. Because he knows that Peter's going to deny him three times. He's going to curse down by the fire in the courtyard of the high priest. Listen to me. He knows that every single one of those men, at some point or another, in that crowd of 70 are going to fail. Peter and the 12 will deny. His closest group, all of them will leave him in some point. All of these men, every 70 of them, all of the 12 of that close group, even the inner circle of Peter, James, and John, Jesus knows it's not a one-and-done deal. There's more battles ahead. There's more difficulties down the road. The victory is ours, but so oftentimes we live as though we're defeated, and I think that, I think that saddens him. Now, there's some lessons in these verses that are very vital for us to learn. First lesson is this. I'm going to give you three. The first lesson, and they're taught in separate verses. I want you to catch these lessons. Here's the first lesson. Everybody ready? Everybody looking? All right, tune in. I want you to get this. Here's the first lesson. Don't get so caught up in what you've done that you forget that you didn't do it. I want you to think about that. Don't get so caught up in what you've done that you forget you didn't really do it, you see. Look with me in verse number 17. And the 70 returned again saying, uh, Lord, they returned again with joy saying, Lord, watch this, even the devils are, what's these next three words? Subject unto us. Even the devils are subject unto us. Even the devils are subject unto us. Now, wait a minute. I know they followed it with through thy name. 
And I understand that there is a measure of truth in this. Yes, yes, God uses human vessels. And yes, and yes, they were there. And yes, the devils were subject unto them. And yes, they added through thy name. But, but there's also a measure of, of danger in their words. Because the reality, if we're not careful, is, is that when God enables us, we must never forget that it's Him that does the enabling. And the reality is that without His authority, we're really no match for Satan. I used to hear preachers preach when I was young, you know, bless God, I'm so saved, I could swing across hell on a rotten corn stick and spit in the devil's eye. You know, that's really good, sensational, fantastic preaching. But it means nothing. Because the reality of the matter is, we're no match for the roaring lion. That's why we're told to be sober and vigilant, because our adversary is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. That word devour means gulp down whole. He will ravage us and then swallow us. And the reality of the matter is, down through your life and my life, and certainly my ministry, I've seen people that have been gulped down and disappeared because they fell into the clutches of the adversary. Without his authority, we're no match. Let me go with me to Acts chapter number 19. Would you do that? Acts chapter 19. Let me show you some young guys that didn't know the Lord. They didn't know Christ as their Savior. But you know what? They thought this is a pretty good deal. You know, I mean, we, we can get involved in this. Maybe some money to, made, to be made. And certainly we can gain a measure of popularity. So they decided they were going to get into the business of chunking demons out of people. All right? So in Acts chapter 19, verse 13. Acts 19, verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them. They weren't called to do it. Took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul preacheth. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. Now, I love this. Forgive me if I find humor in things that you may not find humorous, but that's just the way I am. Got me in trouble in school. A lot of X's in behavior. But, but, but verse 15, I want you, I, this is hysterical to me. And the evil spirit answered and said, um, Jesus, I, I know who Jesus is, and I know who Paul is. Uh, who are you? I mean, who are you? I, you think you're somebody. I mean, you think, you think that in and of yourself, you've got the power and the authority to do this. Let me, let me tell you something. We know who Jesus is, and we know who Paul is, but we, we, don't, we don't have a hint who you are. And what follows, verse number 16, And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Okay? You know, three weeks later, they were a small bluegrass band playing somewhere in East Jerusalem. Uh, they were out of, they were out of the, the uh, demon exorcist movement that they had bought into and wanted to be a part of. Didn't, didn't, didn't work well. Do you know why it didn't work well? Because they had no authority to do what they were doing. You see, we take away our authority and, and there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. And, and, and if we're not careful, 
If we're not careful, we can get the feeling that we're somebody special if all we do is focus on what we've done for God. We will begin, look at me, we will begin to see what we do for Him. The things that He's done for us as great things that we've done for Him. That's what happens. When God does great things in our life, if we're focusing on what we did and how we were used, then we'll begin to lay claim to those things. We'll, um, we'll not just read our own press releases, we'll write them. We'll edit our own promo material. Somebody said compliments are good, but don't, they're, they're a lot like perfume. It smells good, but don't swallow it. That's, that's the reality. If we're not careful, we begin to compliment ourselves. And the reality of it is simply this. Without His enabling grace, I can do nothing. Don't you think Jesus taught us that in John 15, 5? He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Watch this. For without me ye can do, what's the word? Nothing. He said, here's what you get. By your effort, you get nothing. If you take me out of the equation and you do it all on your own, Use all of your education and all of your skill and all of your persuasion and all of your personality. Just throw your personality into the middle of it. And it's just, it's just you doing it all. Guess what, that, guess what that measures up to? When you press the button and you hit the sum total, you get nothing in return for all of your energy. Now, there's another side to that coin, and I'm glad there is. And that's Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do what? All things. How? Through Christ which strengtheneth me. So the other side of the coin is simply this. Through Christ, you know what you can do? Things that you, things that you never dreamed possible. Things that you think, I can't, I can't do that. And God uses you to do it. So, so there's, two, there's two ideas here. Number one, there's people that walk into some and say, I, yeah, I think I can do that. No, you're not a candidate. And then there's the guy that sits there and says, you know what, I, there's no way. Well, you're a perfect candidate because you realize that in yourself you are not able, you don't have the ability, but through Christ, Christ will use you to do things that you never dreamed you could possibly do. Listen to me. Listen. Always be suspicious of your own ability. Never be suspicious of His. Always realize that in and of yourself, the greater possibility is failure. But with Christ, failure is not a possibility. There's always victory. Number two, let me give you this. Don't get so caught up in what you've done that you become content to do no more. All right, everybody with me? Look at me. Okay, how many of you are alive? Both of you, good. All right, now listen to me carefully. Follow this. Do not become so content with what you've done that uh, do not not become so caught up in what you've done that you become content to do no more. Um, you remember the church that had a reputation? Thou hast a name that thou livest, yet are what dead. God said, "You're living on past reputation." Yeah, there was a time you were on fire for God. There was a time you were doing things for God. But what's happened to you is you've died out to those things. 
They say you can walk out at night and look up into the sky and see the light of a solar star that, that, that's, that's, that's uh, uh, 20 years away, and yet the reality of a matter, it burned out 20 years ago, but because of the distance, you're still seeing the light of something that's long time been dead. And I fear that, 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 that sometimes um, it seems like these men had reached their peak. Hey, guess what? We can't top this. We went out. We were just going into houses to bring peace and, you know, eat with people, fellowship, and try to help people out. You know what happened while we were out? We told demons what to do. And Jesus said this to them in verse number 19. Look at it. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, watch this, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now, they had done none of those. They hadn't, they hadn't, they hadn't treaded on serpents and scorpions. By the way, at this camp I was at this past week, and one of the things in that part of the country are huge tarantulas. Huge, we call it two tarantula spiders. And... Anyhow, yeah, so I started to bring one and just put it on the counter at Southwest after they lost my luggage, but I said, don't do that, Dean. Huge tarantulas, I mean, in the, in the cabins. So Jesus said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to give you the, you haven't done this yet? What does that mean? But I'm going to give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. What, what, what is he saying? It's not over yet. This isn't a one and done. You're excited about what you did but I've got more for you to do. Don't settle in. Don't settle in to just, don't settle in to being happy with what you've done. This is no time to hit autopilot. Now I want to talk with you, okay? There's things that bother my pastor's heart. That, 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 that the thing that ticks within me that causes me to love everything I do. Where I wouldn't change places with anybody in the whole wide world. I am so happy what I do and where I'm at and the calling that God placed in my life as a 17-year-old boy. But my word, there's things that are changing. I talked with pastors this week as we sat around at tables and, and we talked about how COVID has affected everybody and how the world around us has changed and and the differences that are floating around in our communities, and guys that are really struggling with their churches and their finances and things like that. And so I'm going to say some things that are going to not sit well. And I know before I say them, they're not going to sit well. But my role as a pastor is to speak to my people and I want to just tell you Satan is using live stream that God intended for good for his own purposes and that's to get people out I thought with some pastors this week well they said they have people in their church and I'm grateful that we don't have that as far as I know but they have had people in their church they've had people in their church that went live stream and, and they weren't coming to church. They were just plugged into that, and now they're not live streaming. It's a step. It's a step. 
And I'm thankful for the technology, and we've got people listening now, and I'm grateful for every person that's listening. And anybody that's listening that says, I won't come to church, but I will watch live stream. Well, I'm thankful you're watching live stream. At least keep doing that. I'm grateful. But there's a difference if you can't come to church and if you won't come to church. It's two different things. If you can't come to church, then God can use live stream to minister to you. If you won't come to church, then Satan can use live stream to pull you away from where God intends you to be. The word church comes from the word ecclesia. The word ecclesia means assembly. Sitting on your couch in your pajamas is not assembling. And I, I realize I can lose people over what I'm saying, and I, and I know that full well. And I knew that, I knew that when in my quietness time with God, God laid these things on my heart. I know that. I know I can lose people from what I'm saying. Or I can lose my obedience to God by not saying it. So I, I have to make a choice between the two, and obviously I'll have to choose one. You, your TV and you, that's not an assembly. And so if you can be in church, you, you, you ought to be in church. We've got people here that, that battle cancer every single day, but they come to church. We've got Ron Mackey that is only here because, uh, not here because of an MS. He staggers in every Sunday morning, staggers in. And nobody here knows how he suffers, and yet he's here every week. And yet we buy into, we buy into things sometimes. I, I think that, 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 that the devil speaks to us in low whispers and, and the reality is this, God's called us to be a part of an assembly because we need community. And can I help you with this? Your community needs you. It's not about coming to church. How many of you are blessed to see Luke? There's been times Luke can't make it. Are you blessed to see Luke? So, so what happens when Luke comes to church? Luke gets blessed? Well, I hope you do, Luke. But I'll tell you what happens when Luke comes to church. Luke blesses us. We're blessed. When people are here, it's community. That's what a church is. We need fellowship. We need to interact with each other. Number two, I'm going to say this to you, and that is that God does not intend His people to live in fear. That is, I, look, that's it's the spirit of our day. And it's been promoted by media for two years now. And I'm not saying don't be cautious. I'm not saying don't be wise. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about mask or not masking. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about not shaking hands with people. That's your business. I'm talking about the fact that, that the just shall live by faith and fear has caused so many people to stay away from God's house. And the thing that perplexes me as a pastor, here's my perplexion, you ready? The thing that perplexes me as a pastor is that, is that, that people can go everywhere else on earth, but the one place they feel most in danger is in church. It's not the grocery store. It's not visiting friends, it's in church, okay? Church probably ought to be the place we feel the safest. Because this is where God's called us to be. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then third of all, I want to say this, and that is that God's not limited by the current climate of our world. 
Gas prices are insanity. You know what I paid in Oklahoma City? I paid $5.37. In Oklahoma City, it's the lowest place in the nation. It's over five bucks, okay? People are actually doing staycations now because they can't afford to drive anywhere. Mark paid, uh, he's got to go for a business to uh, back south. You could get tickets for $2.50 a while back. Now, for, for tickets, it's 1900 bucks. So, so it's, it's, the world is crazy right now. It's, it's absolutely crazy, and finances are tight, and house costs are through the roof. And, but can I tell you that God has blessed our church through every bit of it? God has blessed our church through these last two years. Scott Swanbeck and I were talking. Just, it's amazing what God has done. This is a low day, obviously, because of the rain and things. But, but, but our services have been packed. God's blessed our offerings. It's amazing. You know why? Because God's not limited by what goes on in the White House. God can bless your life and my life, and he can get us through this. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the man of summer some is. Listen to this. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So if you think Jesus is coming back soon, this ain't the time to hit autopilot. This is the time to get faithful. If you really believe the day and so much the more... As you see the day approaching, you know what I'm doing to you today? I'm just trying to exhort you. Don't get mad at me. Okay? Here's my exhortation. You ready? Here it is. Here's Pastor Dean's exhortation to you this Sunday. Ready for this? I beg you. I'm fighting for my people. I beg you. Don't become a shut-in before the time now, there may be a day in an age when you can't make it to church. There may be a day and age when I can't make it. I may be at home and somebody may say, we love Pastor Dean. He's in the wheelchair. You know, Susie won't push him out of the house. She makes him stay. I, I may be at home one day, an invalid and a shut-in. I may be a memory in your mind from these days and these messages. And these kids may grow up and... Say, so I remember Pastor Dean. I, I may be, that may happen to me, but I don't want it to happen prematurely. While I can be, I want to be faithful to God in this house. Last of all, and I'm going to close, and that's simply this. Listen carefully to this. Don't get so caught up in what you've done for him that you don't get caught up in what he's done for you. Don't get so caught up in what you've done for him that you don't get so caught up in what he's done for you. Look in verse 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice. What's that? What you've done for him. That the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice in what? What he's done for you. Because your names are written in heaven. You, you think this is a little bit of a damper, okay? That maybe Jesus put a little bit of a damper on their zeal. But what he's actually doing is he, he's setting them up for future success. The word rejoice here means to be filled with happiness, okay? So he's saying, like, don't, don't get filled with happiness over what you've done for me. I want you to be filled with happiness over what I've done for you. He's not saying don't be excited about serving me. 
He's not saying don't be happy that you get to work. He's not saying don't be, don't be zealous about what uh, I've gifted you to do. Don't, 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 be, don't, don't be nonchalant about the gifts I've given. That's not what he's saying at all. He's saying don't, don't misplace the source of your real joy shouldn't be in what you do. Should be what and I what I've done. Man, I was 17 years old when I walked down an aisle, March the 20th, 1973, the final night of a revival in my church, and I surrendered my life to preach the gospel. I did not have a hint at what I was really doing or how deeply I was committing. I just knew that God had called me, and I went down and met my youth pastor and told him, and he sat down and read Joshua chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, filled a card out on me, handed it to my pastor. My pastor incredulously read it, thinking I would never make it. I'm 66 years old. I could not have imagined as a 17-year-old kid what God was going to do with my life. I'm just amazed. At his grace and his kindness to me. This past week I preached at a camp in Oklahoma with kids I'd never met in my life. Kids from the inner city. Just, some of them just, just, just hard, tough. Came to camp thinking I don't want to be here. I don't even know why I'm here. I don't like it here. By the end of the week we were taking pictures together and 16 of them have, had gotten born again and lives were changed. And, 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 and I had kids stand there and look at me that were rough kids and say to me, Pastor D, this is the best week of my life. The best week of your life. This is the best week of my life. Kids that were strangers on Monday are coming up to me on Friday and hugging my neck and crying and asking me to sign their Bible. It was, it was a wow week. It was an amazing week. And I was blessed. And so why do I, why do I rejoice Look at me. I'm happy that I was privileged to do that, but those moments don't last. And if I find my joy in what I get to do, what do I do this week? Or next week? Or the week after that? When those kids are long going back home, living their life now, and, 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 and serving God in their church, what do I do? I'm up and down like a roller coaster. If I find my joy in the things I do, you see. Joy comes from what God has done within us. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, that's outward things, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's inside where we get our real joy. Jesus is telling these men that what should fill them up is not the joy that demons were, were under their command what should fill them up is what God has done for them. Don't be happy that you've been able to do Don't let that fill you. Rejoice that your names are written <coughs> in heaven. That you've been born again. Because without that, God couldn't have used them anyhow. Look at me. Without what God has done for you, you have no ability to do anything for God. So the rejoicing is not what I can do, it's what he did to start with. You, you, you see, the, the, reality, the reality is, 
The, the amazing thing is, is not what I got to do at camp this week. It's that God saved me as a 12-year-old boy. Look at me. And everything that happened and has happened and will happen in my life for His glory is traced back to Bull Street Baptist Church in Savannah, Georgia, when a, when a second baseman for the New York Yankees gave his life story about his faith in Christ and a 12-year-old boy named Dean Herring put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Everything that's happened in my life before and since has all been traced back to there. My rejoicing should be in that day because it's from that day that I can do anything for God. It's not about what I've done. It's about what he's done for me. You ask me why I'm happy, and I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone, the songwriter wrote. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Never allow, never allow what you're doing for God to cause you to lose sight of what he did for you. The great joy in life. Listen, here's the great joy in life. <laughs> that we're sinners saved by the grace of a good God. Listen to me. Who would be so kind as to just use us. Anyway and anyhow he will use us. It's all a privilege. It's all an honor. Rejoice not in what you do. Rejoice in what He did for you and through you. Let's bow our heads. I, th I think this scripture takes the focus off of the man in the mirror. Our problem is we, get be we become so impressed with what we do, pride comes in. We start thinking ourselves to be somebody somebody in ministry, somebody in the church. We, we, we become elevated in our own value system. We might think that God actually needs us. But in reality, we need Him so desperately. Be thankful for what you're allowed to do for God, but never get caught up in what you've done. Get happy about what Jesus did for you. Because we're all undeserving, we're all unworthy. Thank God He loves us anyhow. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. We're so grateful. We think about where you've brought us from, and we're amazed. The privilege that we have of, of serving you is just amazing. Thank you, God, for who you are. I pray you'll bless us now and, and bless our week. God, give us a great week. I pray that we would serve you with all of our hearts and Lord, that you would use us as only you can. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen.